0: Hello and welcome to the new series of the Wildlife Community Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie, and I'm so excited to have the chance to bring you conversations with great guests who are passionate about connecting people and nature. Join me as we delve into discussions about wildlife, share top tips, and inspire you to transform your local areas into thriving natural havens, and, of course, helping you to make your space a wild one. Welcome to another episode of the Wildlife Community Podcast, live from Global Birdfair. This time, Dan and I were joined by naturalist and TV presenter Nick Baker. We took to the WinChat stage in front of an audience of nature lovers of all ages and had a chat about the importance of holding on to that childlike curiosity as we explore the world around us. I've left this chat largely unedited because... As strange as it may sound, I really wanted to capture the true essence of this conversation and the fun of being on stage with a live audience, and how things don't always go to plan, but they work out in the end. So come back to Global Bird Fair with us. <laughs> Are we good to go? It's this large audience. <laughs> right, let's go. Hello and welcome to the Wildlife Community Podcast. I am your host, Charlie, and I'm here with Wildlife Community Ambassador Dan. Hello, Ooh. and our wonderful guest, Nick Baker.
1: Hello. Sorry, yeah. Before you do go any further, like around, sorry, around. <laughs> you can just start again. Okay. was no medium, but it's large. Group. Yeah, around this distance from the mics. Okay.
2: Oh man, I'm yeah. so happy. <laughs> I've Closer. got a Darth yeah. Vader t-shirt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Better. This yeah. is a
2: bird I got nesting right near my house. Now I've never moved to Scotland. I get um, oyster catchers all the time.
1: For, the, um,
0: say Darth for the purpose of people listening back, Nick is holding a birder T-shirt, which has, it says Darth Vader, and it's got an oyster catcher yeah. with, as you can imagine, a Darth Vader mask and lightsaber. It's quite something. And it
2: is great. And of course, instead of having a nice red bill like the oyster catcher does, it's all covered up in his Darth Vader mask. It's, and instead, he's holding a red lightsaber.
0: It's very well so designed. So it is a fabulous T-shirt,
2: and it's a, a fabulous bird. This is a face- the evil bird actually that likes giving everything else a hard time. Uh, brilliant birds.
0: So, anyway. Nick, Nick, I'm not starting the introduction again. We digress. But um, I really want to know sort of, obviously, I've followed your journey forever. So, i on a selfish note, I really want to know sort of more about how you came to be in this nature community, in this wonderful community of people who are just so nerdy about. Wildlife.
2: How far back do you want me to go? I mean, we've got
0: twenty <laughs> minutes. <laughs>
2: um, well, I guess I had mentors as a kid. So um, I was a, a little nerdy kid mm-hmm. um, before the internet was invented. So I was very much on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, even in my family, I was a bit of a. I was a bit of a strange kid. So I didn't really. Parents would support me, so my dad was an angler, so I'd often go and sit on the riverbank with him. He had sort of classic sort of schoolboy knowledge of the countryside. So that's sort of the exposure. I got taken to the woods, got taken to the ponds, all the things my dad used to do, basically. Yeah. Um, so just like every kid, if I was given the opportunity to be curious and get muddy and climb trees and fall out of them and hurt myself, I did. Mm-hmm. And that was my childhood. Nothing special. No one actively really encouraged me to get into natural history. It was really a... A, a, it's a natural process it was exactly what we did um, but yeah that was it really and um, and I was always just a bit of the old kid I'd, you know I'd collect woodlice. I basically I did what every kid did which was you know fill his pockets up with creatures and frogs spawning in his Wellington boots and stuff like that and Sounds reared perfect. tadpoles and yeah I did all that <laughs> stuff and I was very lucky because I was exposed to nature very early on but in a very unstructured way I was, I was given the, the freedom to, to, to go and do these things even though I lived in a little estate you know, we did have like an old railway nearby and stuff like that. So, so that was pretty good. And that was all going on in East Sussex near Crawley. And then my parents wanted to give us me and my brother the childhood they never had because my parents grew up in in Croydon and, and, and sort of urban yeah. Surrey. So um, yeah, they bought a little house in East Sussex um, on the edge of the Ashdown Forest. And then that's when I ex- overexpanded. And I met other mentors. So my dad was a sort of a mentor. My mum liked wildflowers. So she sort of gently mentored me in that area. Um, and then, you know, my headmaster at school, back in the day when you could just decide to take your entire science group out into the fields because yeah. the weather was nice, we used to do that. Yeah. My next-door neighbour, he liked the badgers. He'd take me badger-watching. Uh, my nan was fascinated by my fascination with frogs, so she used to take me to a ponds quite regularly to kill a few hours, you know. Yeah. Take me to the Natural History Museum, so that was like my... That was my church. I go to the Natural History Museum and be left to run free around the corridors of the Natural History Museum. Uh, And that was it. Nothing special. It wasn't any, uh, didn't have a pushy parent or anything like that. It just kind of happened. So, yeah.
1: Natural process. Yeah. I think that's the best way, though, because I remember when I was younger, we used to watch The Really Wild Show Mm -hmm. and then we had the Nick Baker Bug Kit. And I thought, if I (laughs) connect five of these together, I can build a woodlice empire. And did you? No, they were all over my bed. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think my parents are best pleased that my, my empire of woodlice yes, basically turned into under my bed.
2: But that's a familiar story, isn't it? It's like, you know, weird enough, I used to watch The Really Wild Show too. <laughs> Just a different generation of presenters. So, um, yeah, so run home from school, get off the bus, run home to get The Really Wild Show. Yeah. and uh, But I did the same sort of thing. So, you know, I remember I really, I kept lots of creatures, but I wasn't allowed pets in the house. So I had them all in the shed, yeah. but I'd smuggle certain things into the house. So I stick insects. I managed to persuade my parents to get me some stick insects, or persuade my parents to let me have the stick insects in the house. And of course, um, we got the, the the Indian stick insect, the old laboratory oh, yeah. stick insect. Had it in a vase. You know, I had lots of food plant in a vase, and the adults were laying eggs continuously. And it was in a. I put it in a, 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 a cage that was basically made out of one of my mum's old stockings stretched <laughs> over a wire frame. And we went away on holiday, and I got this this privet that was growing in a pot, so plenty of food. And while we were away, um, the stocking laddered, and all the stick insects got out. And of course, that was it. There yeah. wasn't allowed pets in the house anymore because all the ha- food, all the house plants were being eaten by stick insects. It was it was terrible. So, but similar stories.
1: Yeah, they sort of get everywhere, don't they? And
2: your parents forgive you in the end. You know, it's yeah. it's one of those things. It's like my yeah, you know, my parents have always said, well, you know, he's going to grow up soon, and. I'll get a proper job. I'll start showing interest yes, in mechanics or something, you know. And I never did. And uh, They're still
0: waiting. For the, well, for the yeah, mechanics. yeah. It'll never, it'll
2: never happen. I mean, I actually made a living out of being a ten. I'm, I'm a ten-year-old, and I think you might be as well. I'm looking at you. I think I can see an I'm inner ten-year-old big, there. But... Yeah,
0: yeah. I have a glittery starling on my face. So you yeah. do,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah well, yeah, I've yeah. got I got the cut of your beard fairly early on, but yeah, <laughs> it is. And that's the great thing about uh, a true naturalist. As a scientist, it is a scientific thing because you are asking questions of the world around you, but it's the beginning of that process. It's that natural curiosity. It's give it a poke, see what it does, you know. And, um, but you've got to be exposed to that to yeah. be able to do that. And that's where your, sort of, your, your freedom and your yeah. community and everything comes in. See if you
1: can build a pond in your bathtub. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that goes down a treat with your mum. <laughs> I want to hear about that later.
0: Um, for me, Nick, a, lot, a big thing about everything I do through my communication is trying to bridge that gap between this childhood wonder... And keeping that going into adulthood, because, you know, a lot of us, I I myself lost that kind of the wonder of nature sort of through my late teens and early 20s. And then when I had my own kids, I sort of rediscovered it. Mm. And I was reintroduced to this world that was all around me and had always been all around me, but I'd lost it. So how do you think we can bridge that and sort of overcome that that period of life where we just lose our sense of wonder?
2: That's a difficult one because I can only relate to that through my own experiences. And whilst I didn't ever lose the wonder, I did forget it a little bit at times. Mm. um, And I didn't know I was forgetting it because I I was. So it happened when I was a a student, basically. um, And I was a very, you know, I lived in a little village in Sussex. So I then went to the Big Smoke, which was Exeter at the time, which felt massive for me. It's not, (laughs) it's a tiny city. But at the time, it seemed. Quite scary for a country boy, you know. I felt terribly homesick. All my, my natural habitat was missing. So you know, my badges I'd left behind in Sussex—you can't take them on the train. Um, loads of things that you couldn't do, and and it was it was a bit frightening. Um, but then I I sort of overexpanded. I found another part of my personality which I didn't know existed, which was quite extrovert sort of. I have an extrovert side which I'd never explored before. I joined a band. I started. I I, I, I discovered. I quite like beer quite a lot. And so, you know, and drinking and girls and music and it all became rather distracting. But if i somewhere inside, I didn't feel very satisfied. There was something missing. And then I'd go out for a walk and then I'd see, uh, I don't know, a puss moth caterpillar or um, I don't know, a tawny owl during the daytime or just those little everyday bits of glitter that is in our lives. And, and I'd suddenly, and I'd go home and then I'd go, I had a really good day today. And all I could put it down to was that little moment where the that little bit of magic came back, that old childhood kind of curiosity had come back to the surface. So it was never far away, but I can totally understand how with some people it can get completely buried mm. and lost. And And then this then plays into mental health and all these other things that is so very much, well, high upon most people's agendas now, which is, um, and and actually... I think I was probably, you know, I was, I was having a hard time with it. You know, I, you know I've suffered from depression in, in, in later on in life, which is because I've been disconnected, mm-hmm. and all I've got to do is plug back into it, and that's my salvation. And um, and I can tell I've got, you know, lots of traumas in in, in my life, like most people do. But um, every time I turn to nature during those those times where there was no answers anywhere else, mm-hmm. it it plugged me back into what was really important. That you know, life carries on, and it, it's a. Uh, it's a salve. It's a salve on the supple. and it's. Uh, and it sounds really a bit woo woo, doesn't it? But I'm saying it now. But it it really is. It's. Uh, it saved me, um, and it's also given me a living. And uh, the biggest every day's got a thrill in it. Um,
1: so I don't think you ever truly forget it. It sort of gets squashed down yeah. as the yeah. the least Nature's sort of the least priority, and then all of a sudden you're sort of like. Actually, I'm enjoying just sitting out, not doing anything. Mm-hmm.
2: You're always doing something. And yeah. that's exactly it. You're always doing something. We are supposed to actually stop and, and absorb the environment around us. And most of us don't. We rush around in this kind of this bubble, this yeah. technological bubble, zooming about. We're all doing, we're doing it here. We, we're, we're trying to do it here at the bird fair. We've got loads of things going on all over the place. And you're zooming about all over the place. But actually... It's not what we're designed to do. We're designed to stop and absorb the environment around us, see where all the predators are, see where the food is, you know, all that stuff. You know,
1: and I think that's what's important about sort of like the community aspect. Even though we're all individuals and we all have our own thing, bringing it together as a community, like at bird fair, there's so many different people that have so many different interests. For mine is birds, and then you chat to someone who really is into entomology and biology, and you sort of realise like. Actually, we can all share skills here, and we've all got something different to offer. Yeah,
2: you said you're into birds, you see, and that's always, uh, you know, at the bird fair, I always say, yeah, you're into birds, but you're you're also just you're into the end product of a of of quite an ecosystem. So really, you're into bugs.
1: I'm. (laughs) You're into
2: (laughs) bugs as bird food uh, when they're already reconstituted as a as a wader or a a, you know (laughs) a song thrush or whatever.
1: I think I'm very weird with the. I like birds and I like cetaceans, so I don't think I like. The food chain. I sort of like the end product. Well,
2: that's it. But then you have to then accept, and and this is it. Everyone's got an entry point. I think that's what's so good. That's what's good fun about this, and I love playing with this. I mean, I'm going to do a talk later, you know, all about building a birder, and uh, um, for the Young Birder Award, and um, I'm going to be doing a talk for that. But actually. I've got, I've got bird stories I just don't have any good pictures of birds because I've never got the right lens on my camera no. so so really it's just about it's going to be a talk about bugs um, and, and all the other things that I've, I've done in order to, to end up here you know it's kind of a weird thing I mean I'm, I'm an all-rounder as well that's the other thing is I um, I've, yeah I've worked with birds but I've just as I've worked with bats and I've worked with butterflies and, and badgers and so
1: basically and, you work with bugs or bug eaters
2: yeah
1: nothing well, in the middle it's all it all connects it all connects
2: you know the only area that's a bit difficult is botany but then botany I get Feeds a little bit of botany. Bugs. Yeah, well they, well, they feed the bugs. So <laughs> quite a lot of bugs eat plants. And of course, if you're, you know, I bred nearly every British species of butterfly when I was a kid. So um, I built a butterfly house in my garden, and I used to go out and collect butterflies, and I'd bring them in and rear the caterpillars and, and learn about the life cycles. And in doing that you have to go out into the field and work out what the food plants all are. And, you know, so, so I found it was a very useful botany. So, yeah. Uh, but, it's, it's, and again, it's the thing. And, and when you realise that you're, you're surrounded by all these multidisciplines, I'm looking out over the, over the field here, we've got lots of people. Actually, most of them are masticating. They're all chewing something. They're all chewing. <laughs> so we're, we've come at, at sort of lunchtime, really. Everyone's chewing and looking, and looking at us and, <laughs> and trying to work out what the hell we're talking about. But generally speaking, out there, I bet you, in that lot there, there's there's an entomologist, there's a butterfly person, a dragonfly person. There's some birds. Someone's putting their hand There'd up somewhere. There some waving. people. Uh, yep. Yeah, there's one. There's one. I don't know what he's put his hand up to, but he's he's definitely all one of the above. All of the above. <laughs> but this is the thing. Some are all-rounders. Some are just kind of like they just like it. It's a nice thing to do out of the walk with the family. Some people are hoping their young ones are are, are going to kick their you know kick start here and and be inspired. Some folk are well. Most of them actually quite young inside again, and that's the other thing I love. I love the fact that people just keep going. You you meet old, you meet old, old naturalists. Some of my mentors when I was a kid were, you know, they'd retired. But they still yeah. add that little sparkle. So, you know, it's it's something about that as well. It keeps going, you never you never ever really leave it or it never leaves you. No, and I think got
1: it. It, it sort of comes full circle as well that you start then, you become the mentor to the other people. So your little nature community bubble has sort of expanded that way.
2: Yeah, that's all you can do. I mean, that's the thing, it's full circle. And we've had a few full circle moments today. Um, lots of folk, I've had... Um, people have been on my field trips, you know, yeah. that were little tiddlers and they came along with their parents and now great big hairy, hoofing, great big <laughs> nature reserve managers.
1: <laughs> Nothing makes you feel older than when someone says, I used to watch you on TV when I was younger. And you were yeah, old. I've got over that now. Sorry.
2: I've, I've, ac- I've accepted I'm really old now. Um, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. That's the other thing, it's just a number. And mm-hmm. uh, that's the beautiful thing. You keep your health, you keep going until the end, you know, you just keep kicking and it's great. Yeah.
0: So, a big part of what we do at the wildlife community is we're trying to sort of like i said bridge that gap and connect people with nature but through that we want to inspire this sense of community which is something i think that we feel here at bird fair and throughout the nature community but how do you think we can sort of take this sense of community and sort of propel it into a to a wider audience and to just you know to to your neighbors to your friends to people who might not necessarily who might think of bird fair and go oh bird fair like
2: yeah it's it's a good question it's the it's the hardest question to answer in many ways but all i can right so you can be very self-conscious as a naturalist, and you can wait for the crowds to clear before you bend down and poke that fox dropping, you know, or all the things, and yeah, or maybe you're trying to track pine martins to your garden, but you don't want your neighbours to see you spreading uh, peanut butter on the trees in case they think you've lost it, right? So all of those things, very quickly, you develop a very thick skin, and actually, sometimes you stand, you step away from yourself, look at yourself from a distance, think this is quite funny. People are going to think I'm mad, so embrace that, and. What happens is you end up with a crowd. And then when you've got a crowd, and this is what happened to me as a kid, I'd be sitting there, on. A, I didn't care what anyone thought, and I'd sit there and watch the ants sort of dismembering a crane fly. And I'd be in the middle of the path. And I would be so focused on that. I wasn't watching the people building up on either side going, what the hell is he looking at? <laughs> and then when someone then pl- 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 plucks up the courage to ask the question, then you become a presenter. That's what I'm doing. I'm, produ- I'm yeah, that's, why, that's how... I'm, it's all I've done in my life is present, whether it's on TV, radio, to myself, to other people, to my nan, you know, to all the people that didn't quite understand the lens that I looked at the world through. Mm. Um, and I think that's what you're saying, It's that you, you basically own it, and it's enthusiasm. You've got, you've got to deliver the enthusiasm. If you can't do it with enthusiasm and you haven't got the buzz, this, it's, not, it's not going to transfer. But if you are then able to convey the excitement it means to you, yep. accurately, to someone else... They So I've got a friend, as an example, he's got nothing to do with natural history. He restores 1980s uh, arcade games. I have absolutely no interest in 1980s arcade games. Absolutely none at all. But I watch him recreating. He goes out and buys the old tube monitors, right, which are hard to find nowadays. He tracks them down on eBay. Um, Then he finds the old shells of old games. Then he looks at all the original colour combinations. He recreates the graphics. He cuts all the wood. That's a lot of effort but he's so into it that I want to know more. Um, and and that's, that's the beauty. I could easily become a 1980s video arcade game fanatic by, by looking at what he's doing and by being inspired by that. I love it. I love all that. And so I think it's the same. And, and, but the difference is you could argue that natural history, in whatever form you're into it, is more relevant to everyday life. Well, it is relevant. So, and that's the beauty of it. So if you can take people out and and also understand that whilst you may really get get off on on scientific names or whatever it is most people won't want to start at that level it's like you you, you give them give them both bits bits of information you give them a common name tell explain the common name explain the the, the latin name if you know what it means etc and just tell stories it's storytelling um um and i think that's what I think that's what we're after. here. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really difficult. I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of an oddball in the sense of I'm actually quite antisocial. Um, so I, this is weird because I'm having to sit here. I pull out, a, a, um, and as a presenter, you pull out because I was quite a quiet person. I spent all my time on my own chasing butterflies around, and then, and then life has required me to find this extrovert thread, this part of me, this, this part of a personality, which can stand on stage. Um, and it's really weird because it's, re- you know, it's not really, it is me, but it's not really me. This is the little 10-year-old going,
0: look what I've seen. Isn't this cool? Yeah, isn't yeah. this cool? Yeah.
2: That's the only reason I'm here. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of weird.
1: Yeah, it's exactly the same that sometimes you're sitting on stage doing a podcast and sometimes you're hiding behind a marquee eating a pizza yeah. <laughs> yeah. trying yeah. to hide from people.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's the other. least you came from, we've got a nice little green room here so yeah. we, can, we can hide from folk. And, you know, it's quite a nice place to be. But then I prefer it out here because it's once a year I get to meet this community. And, and it it is, you know, I've got friends here that I only ever see here, um, at the bird fair and, um, and it's lovely to catch up with them. And this has been part of my life since sometime in the early nineties. So, you know, I first came up here with a friend of mine. We, um, you know, we came up here in a car that probably wouldn't, wasn't going to make it. And then we went up sharing a tent, you know, a big hairy hippie friend of mine sharing a tiny little two man tent, you know, top and tailing, horrible experience. Um, but it was great, not the bird fair itself, but the actual sleeping was bad. Um, and he snored terribly. And um, it got me out of bed early. So I'd go straight down to, this is when it was on the shores of Rutland Water. So I'd, I'd just get up and go birding in the morning. It was great. So, but yeah, it's a very special thing, this bird fair, all part of.
0: Brilliant. Well, I think we're coming to the end of our chat, but I think we've got a lot of members of the audience who are, you know, who could potentially be the the, the future the future nick bakers the future naturalists you know the people who are going out there and inspiring their communities yeah i'm looking at you um, i can h- see in-
2: four or five really really young folk out there that exactly are, yeah, so yeah, you, you
0: guys could be the people who are out there inspiring the next generation and inspiring a wider community so i just want to i know it's really cheesy but nick if you had any advice to <laughs> give to these people what would it be
2: right don't let your parents tell you you can't keep caterpillars in your bedroom okay that's the first one um now obviously listen to your parents they're very important people but yeah just don't just find it there'll be something you'll find what it is you like and just follow follow it it sounds so cheesy just follow it follow your dreams if you enjoy doing it it will come across and if you're if it comes across well then you've already started inspiring people it's as simple as that you know um because if there's no point if you're not enjoying it there's no point doing it
0: exactly enthusiasm is contagious
2: exactly exactly
0: well, thank you so much, Nick. Really grateful thank for you coming. Thank you, and thank you coming.
2: for scoring me a, a Darth Vader T-shirt. I'm so I'm so pleased with my Darth Vader Highlight T-shirt.
0: Highlight of the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks for joining me, Dan. Thank you. And thank you to the audience. I am going to have a pizza. It
2: was nice to have an audience, wasn't it? They, all, they appeared out of the rain clouds. Brilliant.
0: It was wonderful for us to be able to sit down with Nick at the Global Bird Fair and talk about the wonderful community that we are all part of and about the curiosity that we all have but, like I experienced, some people have forgotten about. And most importantly, how we can relight the spark that connects us to the natural world. By joining forces with other like-minded individuals, we can continue to build on this community of nature nerds who are dedicated to creating a positive future. Thanks for listening and join us next time where I'll be at Global Bird Fair with two brothers who are taking on the world with an immersive nature experience like no other. At the Wildlife Community, our mission is to connect people with nature. We believe that by sharing the work happening on our own patches and beyond the garden gate, we can collectively make a significant impact on the world around us. Whether you're already part of a local community group or have plans to start one, we would love you to get in touch so we can showcase your efforts and connect you with like-minded individuals so we can build a thriving hub of nature lovers who are dedicated to creating a cleaner, greener world starting right on your own doorstep. Together, we'll explore ways to make your space a wild one and provide you with valuable insights and practical tips to encourage biodiversity, protect wildlife and make a positive difference to your local community. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on the Wildlife Community Podcast.